everybody. Welcome to another edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. I'm here today with Alain Lelou of Cottonwood Technology Fund. Alain, welcome to the show. Yes, thanks for having me. So let's start by introducing our audience to yourself as well as to Cottonwood. Okay, about myself, um, originally I have a technical background. I graduated in 1994 at the Technical University of Twente in the Netherlands with a double master degree. Afterwards, I had a long corporate career. Uh, I ended up in, on executive level with 1,000 employees, 130 million revenue. In the meanwhile, I graduated also my executive MBA. And I was afterwards also a lecturer at the Business School for Strategy and Marketing. In 2008, I was attracted by some investors uh, to become CEO of a high-tech startup in the Netherlands. That company was quite quick sold to a German multinational. And afterwards, I thought, okay, I don't like to go back for a corporate career. Uh, let's fund some startups myself. So um, I started as a business angel, very active. I did 14 investments. And in the meanwhile, I was hired by an incubator in the Netherlands, and I also was hired by the European Union to set up a kind of a coaching program for startups all over Europe. So mm-hmm. I coached startups in Paris, Berlin, London, Stockholm, Helsinki, etc., more than, more than over 200. And then in 2015, I met Cottonwood Technology Funds. And we had a kind of a similar approach, uh, like early stage investing. And uh, so I ended up as a general partner in Cottonwood Technology Funds. Mm-hmm. How big is the fund? Yeah, fund one was in 21 million funds. Uh, that was an only a US-based fund in uh, New Mexico. Fund 2 was 25 million, and in 2015 we opened a European office with first a focus on the Netherlands, and now we are raising Fund 3, 100 million, and we will open in quarter 4 of this year. And the 100 million will be invested 50-50 in the southwest of the US and the other 50% in Northern Europe. And, and southwest US... Yeah. What is the connection between the southwest of the U.S. and uh, northern Europe? So how do you define southwest of the U.S. and why northern Europe? So can you explain what's the genesis of yes. collaboration? Now, in general, uh, there are, of course, lots of advantages to be an, on two continents. But besides that, we like to be there on, on regions in, in, in the world where our a lot of innovation. So there's a wealth of innovation in the Netherlands or Germany, lots of PhDs, lots of technical universities, same as in the Southwest US, but there is a lack of early stage capital. So there's almost no early stage venture capital available. And for us, that's the, that's the best garden to be over there. And uh, because in the US, all the money is in Silicon Valley or in Boston, New York, but not in the southwest. There is almost no money in New Mexico, in Colorado, or Arizona, Utah, etc. And that's first the perfect sweet spot to screen and scout at research institutes. Some of them are really cut billions of uh, the government, uh, but there is no money to build new startups and spin-offs from those institutes. I see. Okay. Um, so let's talk about some of the uh, industry sectors that you invest in from Cottonwood? 
Yes, we do not invest in software, uh, artificial intelligence or whatever. So our focus is really on hard science. So you must think about robotics industry, the photonics industry, advanced materials, chemicals, uh, clean energy, nanotechnology, automotive, telecom. But never in software, always hard science. And we like to invest in pre-seed, seed, early stage. In efforts, we can invest between one to three, up to three million in the founding stage, and around 90% of our investments are pre-revenue, pre-customer. So, uh, for example, just two PhDs of a pitch deck that should be possible to invest in if it's really breakthrough technology with a very unique IP we are interested. So you said um, you do invest in robotics, but you don't invest in artificial intelligence or software. How does that yeah. compute? In, in, in our world, robotics is part of artificial intelligence. Oh, of course, yeah. But we like to invest in, in, in more of the hardware platform. And of course, you use artificial intelligence, but you also use artificial intelligence just as a software platform. So we will not invest only in the software. Okay. So you, you do artificial intelligence, the robotics, hardware robotics yeah. part of artificial intelligence, not the software exactly. data science part of artificial intelligence. Got it. So why don't we That's start right. there? Um, you know, in our uh, company, we work only actually with uh, IT and IT-enabled services companies. So we don't do energy, we don't do biotech, we don't do clean tech. Mm -hmm. So the overlap yes. is actually in the robotics area mostly. And if mm -hmm. you have stuff going on in healthcare IT or bioinformatics kind of stuff, that would be of interest to us. Um, but it sounds like robotics is probably the most interesting area for us to explore in this conversation. Talk to me about what kinds of robotics companies have you invested in and, you know, what do they do and what, what trends are you seeing in that sphere? Okay. Yeah, a very unique one was uh, we invested in the Netherlands in the Robert company, and the Robert is a robotic uh, bird with flapping wings. Uh -huh. And you you can use that bird to get rid of other birds, for example, at airports or in agriculture. And so it's kind of a wildlife management solution. It looks like a falcon, but it's a robot. But you don't see any difference. And in the DNA of a normal bird, it's in-programmed that they have to be afraid for predators. So that's uh -huh. how it works. It's a very effective bird control solution. And, um, yeah, the most... Why is that uh, important from an application point of view? Why is scaring birds off important? Yeah, because, you know, for example, airports, uh, you have bird strikes. And bird strikes are really dangerous for uh, not only the airport, but also the airplane itself. It can yeah. damage the engine. It will cost around $5 million to repair. Yeah. But one thing, secondly, it also increases the safety of the passengers. Uh, so bird control at airports is really, really important to uh, prevent uh, bird strikes and real accidents. Very cool. And how did, uh, how did this company come about? How did you find this company? Yeah, because we are early stage, uh, lots of companies, they knock on the door. We have around a deal flow of more than 1,000 pitch decks per year. And uh, because everyone knows in the area that we can invest early stage, so they knocked on the door as well. They could find a little bit of money from informals, but not from a VC, because most VCs says, hey, 
where is your traction, how much revenue you have, uh, where is your product uh, fit, etc. So there was no revenue in the company, uh, but we decided to invest because of the huge potential in the markets. Interesting. Okay. Um, and this is going to market starting in, the, in uh, Europe or in America? No, both. So we invested in the end of 2015, and we have customers in Europe, for example, Southampton Airport in the UK. Uh, we have customers in, the, in Canada and the US at the airports, and now we're also exploring the markets in China, the Middle East, India, and, um, yeah, and mostly on, on, on airports, but also on agriculture right now. Very but it's a real robotics company yeah really really yeah, very no unique and, and cool application it sounds like a yes. real pro- solving a real problem with real budgets and everything it's very interesting mm. any other yeah. robotics companies that you've invested in that are worth talking yes. about yeah we invested in the u.s in the sarcos robotics and sarcos they made a kind of an exoskeleton which can be used by industry workers to give them the power of a robot, uh, but it can be used, uh, it's a human-controlled kind of armed robot where you can easily lift, for example, 1,000 pounds as a human being. And that's very interesting because you use the power of the robot, but you also use the brains of the human. Most robots, you have to program them before and think about, okay, what kind of action do I have to do? Mm-hmm. But in an un- uncontrolled environment, it's always difficult and a challenge. Oh, shit, this, 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 I didn't expect this to happen. I have to change something. Mm-hmm. So that's very interesting uh, company as well. They're doing great. So, uh, we put and what, in, have, uh, what application areas have you gone to market with with this company? This company, for example, the industry workers in, in factories. So they give them more power. Mm-hmm. So they, it's like uh, yeah, an exoskeleton package. So it's like lifting stuff kind of thing, yes, moving yes, stuff, yes, lifting yeah, stuff, that exactly, kind of application. Yeah. Also in the construction building industry, they can easily lift uh, stuff for 1,000 pounds or whatever from A to B. Yeah. Cool. And how did you find this company? No, this company came to us and uh, also some corporates knocked on our door. Hey, we like to invest in this company, but we so, don't like to be the lead investor. So, so no, that's not my question. I'm, my, the question in both cases, my question is, where, what is the source of the technology? Where, what, you know, is it a university technology? Is it coming out of some corporate no, lab? The, technology from? Yeah, the Robert company was a university technology company, and Sarkos Robotics was already existing for a decade, uh, but they need more money to make the new products. And together, together with three corporates, we put in the first 10 million. And we recently raised the 30 million B rounds to scale up the mm-hmm. production. In, uh, in an, yeah. Very cool. All right. So what, um, you have thousands of deal flow. If you uh, look at what percentage of that deal flow, or how much of that deal flow is robotics, what other trends are you seeing that are interesting? Um, I don't see a lot of robotics companies, actually, so probably 20 per year out of the 1,000. So I see more deal flow in materials and clean energy, by the way, currently. Mm-hmm. So there are not so many new robotics companies. I see a lot of software platforms in robotics, which you can use for autonomous drive or fly or, or, or whatever. Right. And what I see is there are a lot of robots, uh, robotic companies on land, but you also see now a trend 
going to water, uh, robots in water or in the sea or whatever. So that's mm-hmm. a kind of new trend. Okay, yeah. cool. Very good. Um, what differences are you seeing in the trends in Europe versus America? What I see in the U.S. is that uh, follow-on rounds, the money is easier available than in Europe. So in Europe, I think only less than 10% of uh, Series A investments raise a B round. So that's really a pity because I think a B round is really necessary for scaling up, further growth, etc. And it looks like there is more money available in the U.S. for follow-on rounds and also C round, D round, E round, etc. So you see a lot of unicorns in the US as well because there is a lot of money available if you're really kind of a success already. So especially the follow-on money is a, is a big issue in Europe. And they are working but, um, on that also. You know, what I see, uh, I am in Silicon Valley, and, and what I see is that even Silicon Valley VCs are willing to invest in companies in other parts of the world. Mm-hmm in late-stage companies. So if there is yes, validation, if there is yeah. traction, yeah. then there's a problem with European companies getting money from Silicon Valley or from America. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah, but it's also, it is really late-stage. So if we invest one to two, two, three, two or three million, after 24 months, the company is still lost making. So that's still an early-stage deal, you know. Yeah. So then it's still kind of, okay, we try to raise the next round. Mostly we attract money from corporates uh, because they have a real interest in the technology, so they just buy a ticket. Mm-hmm. But the really VCs, which are late-stage focused, indeed they pick up the winners because they know already it is a success, and with more money I can create a little bit an extra success out of it. Right. And yes, they are interested to invest, but it's really late-stage. It is more over like, okay, it's C round, etc. Yeah, B round is the problem, what you're saying. The B round is always the biggest challenge indeed, yeah. Yeah. So um, what are the places in, uh, in terms of institutions or companies where there is a lot of interesting robotics work going on in Europe? Now in Europe you have, especially in the Netherlands and Germany, lots of technical universities which are focusing on robotics. Mm-hmm. So in the Netherlands, for example, we have the University of Delft and also the Technical University of Twente. They are really robotics-focused, and you also see a trend of now medical robots, so yeah. which can help the medical doctor to more give more a precise uh, action-based things, so they can operate patients more precise and, and more easy, and etc., and also safer. So you see also a lot of medical robots coming up, but most of the robotics new companies are kind of spin-offs of the universities. Mm-hmm. And elsewhere in Europe, Germany, France, what's yes, what Germ- the status Germ- of Germ- Germany as well. Germany is really great. I think they're a world champion in manufacturing, and they also yeah. have uh, focus on robotics, especially the technical universities. And the applications are more manufacturing-oriented applications? Uh, sorry again. The applications, the robotic applications, are more manufacturing oriented, coming out of Germany. Yes, yes, yeah, that's right. More manufacturing oriented because they like to automate the manufacturing, etc. So, seeing all the models companies. Yeah. Italy, Italy also uh, had a long tradition of manufacturing, and it's kind of lost its way. What What's happening in Italy? Is there any robotics 
trend going on there? Probably yes, but we don't screen and scout actively in in Italy, so mm-hmm. I have currently no clue. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Very interesting. What else uh, would you like to discuss by way of uh, from your work? Um, are there like you know you mentioned that you do a lot of energy work? Are you doing the IoT kind of stuff as part of your uh, investment strategy, or is that outside of the purview of uh, your energy yeah. work? It depends. I see a lot of IoT uh, pitch decks and requests. The challenge for us is uh, there is so much competition in that space. And yeah. we like to invest in companies without any direct competition, so without any direct competitor. For example, the robotic birds, there is no other birds which can fly uh, as a robotic. Uh-huh. And also uh, other technologies which we are in, they don't have direct competition. Of course, you can solve problems uh, in an indirect way or in a different way. But we like to invest in breakthrough technology where there is kind of almost no competition. And in the IoT space, it's it's crazy how much competition there is. And it's for us very difficult to figure out, okay, what could be the real winner? So we try to avoid that space because it's for us too risky. And uh, But I see a lot of interesting things. Of course, there will be huge winners in between, but it's very difficult to figure out uh, up front which could be really make, make, make the difference and, and, could, and make it big. And what about in medical? What's, uh, what are the trends that you are aligned with in medical? What do you like, what you don't like? In the medical scene, the, the thing is always mostly you try to solve a single problem with a single solution. And the medical area, there is a kind of a long uh, trail before you get there into the market. So that takes some extra risks. On the other side, the markets are mostly really huge. But the other problem is also if you try to solve one kind of a problem, and there would be somewhere a, a professor in the market or a medical doctor who says, hmm, I don't like the technology, you have a real problem because you have technology on the market which will not be picked up by the, by the market itself. So that's really a challenge. And my advice is always, okay, please attract some medical doctors and professors before. Yeah. And they, if they're really convinced, hey, this will be the, the new industry standard, that it could, then it could be interested. And give me some examples of the kinds of medical companies that you have invested in. Maybe one or two examples. Oh, we have invested in the U.S. in uh, in two companies, and they're really they're yeah doing great. But it takes a lot of time. So, so one of them we're already eight years in, and they're still. Uh, what did they do? Uh, no, it was before uh, I invested in it, but we invested in in respiratory products and exogen. Okay. So, um, but um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a long story uh, to get them into the market. And what is the what, what is the local trend in the Netherlands or in Northern Europe? What what kinds of companies you see more of? You you said you only saw twenty robotics companies uh, this year, but um, or twenty robotics companies a year. But what mm-hmm. about other types of companies? Where is the sweet spot of Northern Europe right now in terms yeah, of types of companies? The, yeah, the nanotechnology is very hot because we have one of the best nanotechnology institutes in the Netherlands. 
Another topic is photonics. We see a uh, huge photonics industry in Netherlands and Germany as well. Together with the US, I think they are the front runners in photonics. And photonics is not existing in other parts of the world, so that's really interesting. And uh, photonics is mostly breakthrough technology, can be really interesting, really, really early stage, and uh, the markets are really huge. Can you talk about some applications of what kind of what kind of markets are these photonics technologies or nanotechnology companies going after? Mostly, it is just a replacement for the semiconductor chips, but then in a much faster way, less uh, battery consumption, and uh, so much smaller chips. So we have invested in in uh, a photonics company in in the U.S., Scorpios. And we predict them as the new Intel, uh, but probably no one knows currently in the world, but it's a really interesting company. They have already a valuation of a billion plus, and uh, we started nine years ago with just uh, two researchers and a pitch deck. And it's a silicon photonics company with really unique materials and composition, and those chips are really, really fast. It's, It's incredible. And which uh, devices have they gone into so far? No, they are now ramping up the production. So there's a kind of a small demand currently because all the corporates first want to test. So the first application will will be the data centers. But in the end, I even predict that every smartphone will have those kind of new chips. But it will take some years from now. Hmm. That's really... uh, cutting-edge stuff. Okay. I get a sense of what you're doing. It's it's interesting. It's actually... Uh, I don't know that many European funds that do this kind of work. Are there other no, European the, funds that you work with that yeah, have this kind of specialization? Just, just small ones, but we are really unique in the hard science focus. So most funds in uh, in Europe, they focus on the software industry or life sciences, biotech. Right. Right. But in the hard science, it's really difficult to find funds. Uh, of course, you are have the business changes and informals. But real professional funds is really unique, and uh, that's a different approach. That's right. Yeah. Well, and I can imagine why this is the Series B is so difficult, right? Because uh, these kinds of businesses. Series B is not one, probably also not a revenue generating round, and and there's that's, that's, that's correct. no market yeah. validation yeah. really. So yeah. Yeah, sometimes there is a kind of market validation, but it's more over like references and P and corporates were willing to buy, but uh, real market validation is difficult. Yeah. But at least you can show that the product works, that there are in, interested customers, etc. But on the other hand, the, the mostly if you have breakthrough technology, the market is huge, so. Uh, we are probably one of the best performing funds in the U.S. with an IRR of 46% per annum. So that's really huge. And that's also possible because we are early states. We are in the hard science. And there you can re- really make a lot of money if you find the right deals. And uh, that's a real challenge. So it's a lot of lot of work before we invest. Yeah, but if we invest, good. mostly we have a huge uh, chance. Very good. Well, Allah, thank you for sharing what you're doing, and uh, we are very happy to learn about your activities. And audience, thank you for listening today. We will be back soon with another edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. Meanwhile, 
come to the website, sign up for a free public roundtable, and come um, look at come to the free public roundtable for a discussion if you're looking for help with your venture. And I'll be delighted to learn about what you're doing. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you.